0: Welcome to the Mericast, the show that puts you on the fast track to business confidence. This week, in our first episode of 2023, we talk to Ashtog Garg, or Ash as he likes to be known. He's the founder of Equation Coaching and The Brand Called You, a media tech global platform that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom. He is also a published author of eight best-selling books, including his latest release, How to Survive Failure and Come Out Stronger. There's so much that Ash says in this this interview. Listen out for great stuff on risk-taking, his role in his business as he sees it, and the importance of having a group of trusted advisors and many other things besides. But first, let's listen to how Ash started out.
1: I started working immediately after an MBA from one of the top schools in India when I was 21. Uh, I spent the first 17 years of my life with India Tobacco, which which is part of British American Tobacco. Uh, When I left them in 96, I was managing director of their entire international operations in Singapore. Then I moved into aerospace. uh, So big jump from tobacco to aerospace, uh, was head of Asia for two large American aerospace companies. And then in 2003, when I turned 46, I quit the corporate world and became an entrepreneur. And I founded uh, India's second largest chain of pharmacies. Uh, I mean, I, that's the wrong thing to say, I didn't found the second large, I founded a chain which grew into the second largest chain of pharmacies. And, uh, you know, for your, for your viewers and listeners, the pharmacies were built around what I call the boots model. Um, and my first line of the business plan was build boots in India, which is the same look and feel of the boot stores. Oh. Um, I've uh, also uh, been a member of the YPO, uh, which is earlier used to be called the Young Presidents Organization. Now it's just YPO. For the last 28 years, I was chairman of South Asia. Uh, uh, and then uh, I also served, well, I served on several boards. I um, uh, one, one very interesting board that I served on for eight years was on the board of Gavi, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization. And we've just come out of uh, coming out of the pandemic and Gavi's played a very, very significant role in helping vaccinate the whole country, whole world. Uh, when I turned 60, I decided to quit, the uh, you know, uh, quit my business, sold my company at a very good uh, value and, and exited from it. Uh, I started my, pod- I'm, I'm also a published author of eight books, uh, and I'm uh, working on my ninth one now. So, uh, this uh, podcast thing, I really started with the objective of giving back. Um, and when I say giving back, you know, I, I just go back to what my, when I was in 21, 22, 23, I was always looking for words of wisdom from senior corporate leaders from around the world. And there was nothing available. I remember reading uh, a book, My Years with General Motors by Alfred Sloan, at least half a dozen times, because I, thought that was really one of the true uh, Bibles of uh, management. And then came, you know, Ayakaka's book and the Pepsi story and so on and so forth. Today, when there are thousands and thousands of books, the young people aren't reading. Yes. So I said, let me start conversations uh, in a world that I know, I know world leaders, I know corporate leaders. And that's how I started four years ago. And today, I, I believe we are the largest platform in the world. Um, Next week, we will cross 1,600 recordings. Uh, We get 150,000 views and listens every day. And, uh, you know, we started putting one one minute extracts uh, on uh, India's biggest competitor to TikTok called Chingari. And in the last one month, we're seeing 2 million views per day, which to me, I mean, I just find it amazing that these numbers are coming so that's what i've done the corporate world entrepreneurship author uh, i'm also on uh, television very often once or twice a week pontificating on something silly uh, from elections to vaccination to something or the other yeah so so that that's my that's my whole life
0: well i mean it sounds it sounds absolutely fantastic can i go back to the bit where you were saying you left corporate life mm. and i mean how well, did corporate life prepare you for, for being an entrepreneur? Some people come out of it and find it you know, totally different. Yeah, so
1: I would say it did not. Uh, when I in my very first book, I say, I start by saying, on the 1st of April 2003, I woke up, and I realized that I had no job. I had no assistant, my Microsoft Outlook calendar was empty. And I realized that I had joined the ranks of the educated unemployed. <laughs> um, and for three, four months, I really did nothing. And it was, it was, you know, what I what I also told myself was that, you know, uh, I've been fortunate, I've earned a lot of money, and so on. And then I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of my life playing golf, but I realized that you can't possibly play golf, more than two or three times a week, because the body is getting older, so it gets tired. So therefore, uh, it was uh, a huge challenge. Um, and when I did start uh, Guardian Pharmacy, which is the brand name of the company, uh, the first store I remember standing in the store myself, and uh, I had taken my 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 secretary and my assistant with me, and uh, that was the only staff member I had uh, in the company, and she would call my mother and my wife and say that I'm not sure how Mister Garg is going to pay everyone's salaries because. Uh, how can he, uh, you know, uh, stand behind a counter and uh, suddenly think that he learned enough money to pay for everything? You know, so uh, it was a big, big transition, very, very big transition that
0: I went through. And just in terms of that transition, so I'm imagining you there at that first store, and you're you're sort of thinking through this. Was there a, was there ever a moment you thought actually I want to go back to corporate life because this is too difficult, or were you just always thinking, no, I'm out of corporate life? I came out of corporate life for a reason. And are you the sort of person who just throws yourself
1: 100% committed into what you're doing? Did you have a moment of doubt in there at all? Oh, there were many, many moments of doubt, you know, when I would really wonder, am I doing the right thing? Because as the chain was growing, people would call me from all over the country. And, you know, in the middle of the night and say, oh, I'm a friend of yours. I want to tell you this medicine is not available in your store. And I said, why on earth am I having to answer questions uh, in the middle of the night? But having said that, the kind of person I believe I am, I mean, I, I've never looked behind, I've never looked back, other than just to learn. And uh, I was just very clear in my mind that uh, what started with a single store, I wanted to build into a chain, and it grew into a store—a chain of 250 company-owned stores. So uh, there is no question in my mind that there were lots and lots and lots of self-doubts. Lots and lots and lots of uh, sleepless nights and 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 you know regrets at some time. But then uh, there was, I mean, I believe I had the willpower to keep powering ahead.
0: So, and then how do you, you know, it's not, of course, you're at the center of this, you know, this growing sort of pharmacy mm-hmm. empire. But of course, you've got to, you know, you've got to not just lead, but you've got to delegate, you've got to manage, you know, you've got to supervise, mm-hmm. things like that. Did you always find that a comfortable thing to do? Because a lot of entrepreneurs don't find that very comfortable or almost become the the bottle stopper in their own growth because they can't let go.
1: Correct. So I think that is where the three large companies I worked for, you know, that experience came in very, very handy. Basically, there were two things that I I picked up with my large company experience that I brought into my own entrepreneurial venture. One is to have a strong management team who would uh, really keep on Taking the ball and running. And as I was, and they were much younger than me. And I always used to tell them, I said, you know, I'm like your goalkeeper. I'll make sure I won't let anybody, you know, shoot a goal. And you people have the younger legs. So you go out and run uh, ahead. And I will be your, you know, at the back, making sure that all your backs are protected. And I also used to tell other people, I said, when you are running at a high speed, my job is to clear your speed breakers so that you don't come in, you know, have a big bump when you go. The second thing that I brought in was a lot of uh, systems and procedures. You know, one of the things that I have seen with a lot of uh, entrepreneurs and startups is that systems don't work. Governance standards become an issue. People related matters become an issue. So those are things that I made sure uh, I brought in from day one, because uh, I've often heard entrepreneurs say that I'm the owner. And therefore, everyone must be in office at 9am. But I'm the owner, I don't have to be, you know. Uh, so, So I used to go through this very often with a lot of colleagues saying that I'm, when I'm in the company, I'm the chief executive officer, shareholding is divorced from management, as far as my own mind. Now, in this
0: process of of growth, you know, you've obviously sort of had lots of bumps in the road, as we all do, mm-hmm. and, and so on. Yeah. I mean, were there sort of setbacks or moments of failure? I mean, I, I should tell the listeners that you've written a book on failure, which not many people would do. I mean, I'd be fascinated to hear about your little bumps on the road along the way and and why you why you wrote the book.
1: <laughs> so uh the reason I wrote the book on failure is uh, I believe uh, most parents and I would certainly say most parents in South Asia, don't teach children it's okay to fail. You know, we're always told come first in class, go to the head of the line and, and that manifests itself in our behavior patterns. And I've often said that it is very, very critical for children to understand that it is okay to fail, which is how my hypothesis of writing the whole book was that it's okay to fail. In all my conversations that I used to have in my podcast, I, in my season one, I used to ask a lot of people, "What was your biggest learning from your biggest failure?" And I used a lot of those examples in my book. But when it came to me, I mean, I think uh, you know, when someone asked me, uh, uh, can, uh, you know, "Can you talk about your failures?" I said, "I've had so many that I've written a book about it." <laughs> but uh, there were there were many. I mean, you know, opening the wrong store, selecting the wrong person, trusting people too much. Uh, not make not being able to follow up uh, on 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 uh, stocks that were being stolen from a store uh, there were there were many many uh, instances where I had lots of failures The only thing is that my learning uh, over my years was that once I found out that I had made a mistake or I had failed at something I would ensure that I wouldn't repeat it mm. I think that was very very clear in my own mind that I would take every one of my failures as an opportunity for me to understand and learn. And that is what I think was one of the hypotheses of the book as well. And
0: it it is one thing to fail, as you say, I mean, you and you said earlier on about, about not looking back, but learning from what you're you're doing, when you are mentoring or talking to young entrepreneurs, or don't have to be young entrepreneurs, but they could be young Mm -hmm. in their entrepreneurial life, at least. Yeah. Is there a, a kind of, an innate confidence that you're able to, to, to share with them that you personally have, or, I mean, do you see that in other people or are people finding their way with their own confidence? They're not going to learn in the same way. Did you have that confidence as a sort of quiet confidence that was kind of helping you build or, or did you have a a time when actually you felt a bit like them, maybe not kind of grasping for the way, the way forward?
1: No. So uh, I I wouldn't say, I mean, that I, I had a lot of confidence in, you know, I, Uh, I mentioned you in part of this uh, organization called the YPO. And within YPO, we have small groups of CEOs who are what's called a forum. And I would, and you know, they're like an informal board of directors that you have. We meet every month, every every month for four hours. And I remember I used to take a lot of my challenges to them. And there were nine other individuals who were entrepreneurs or senior corporate leaders who I would brainstorm with uh, and get some answers. The second person who uh, was, always there in my life, till 2015 was my father, who was uh, a very highly decorated soldier, he was a Brigadier General, twice decorated by the President of India. And uh, he was not just my father, but he was my friend. And I think there was nothing hidden from him. So every time I had a problem, I would go to someone who was an elder in my family, uh, my father, and I would go and brainstorm and he would then listen to me and give me his thoughts and views. So I had two separate areas that I would talk to. And then the third set of people was my wife and both my sons. Uh, you know, so I, I think what is very important for most people, and I tell a lot of these young people, whether it's a startup entrepreneur or anyone else, is that sooner than later, it's always a good idea to form a personal board of advisors. You know, Get a group of five, six friends who you trust, with whom you can become a little more vulnerable, because most of us are constantly struggling with trying to keep a facade, because we don't want to look weak or vulnerable to anyone outside. So I I always say that have a group of people you trust, this could be friends, it could be college mates, it could be family or whoever you choose to uh, have them, and talk to them. Because I've seen that the best answers Come when we express our thoughts, and more often than not, the answer is lying within us when we are faced with a challenge. But if we keep it bottled up inside, then it's a problem.
0: And and I think that is a huge one, actually, not actually something that our other guests to date have articulated. There is this kind of uh, solo mentality in a lot of young entrepreneurs that, Mm. um, or early stage entrepreneurs, where they they feel like it all comes down on on them. And actually, you know, we hear that a problem. Shared as a problem halved, and and Correct. that is an incredibly valuable piece of advice to sort of pass on. In terms of, you mentioned about once you'd sort of built up the business and you'd sold it. I mean, was that a difficult decision to to sell, or were you just were you ready to ready to move
1: on at that point? I mean, no, some I people find it hard. You know, some people find that hard yeah. to let go, but maybe you didn't. Yeah. Again, the answer is yes and no. I mean, my uh, you know, I was at a stage where. You know, I was going to be turning sixty. I didn't have any family members who were coming back into uh, my my children weren't coming back. They both live and work in large companies outside India. You know, I just thought it's time for me to do something different. So I thought the best thing to do would be to exit, get involved in something very different.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the things that you got involved with, as you said, was you know when the when the pandemic. Struck. You've been involved in this sort of monumental effort in terms of sort of vaccinations and and so on. I mean, did your entrepreneurial experience help you in that, or or I mean, in terms of the mobilization of resources, or was this just a completely different challenge that had nothing to do with? No, so so I, I I
1: served on the board. I was invited on the board of Gavi, which is uh, which is like uh, you know it's a multilateral agency from two thousand six to two thousand fourteen. So I wasn't uh, involved in the vaccination process okay but I was uh, you know uh, associated with a lot of the work that was being done uh mm-hmm. later on uh, in and around community that I live in but Gavi as as an organization is one of the is, is one of the most transparent organizations in the world uh it was founded by the Gates organization and uh Mr Mandela who have had the honor to meet a couple of times and uh Therefore, I was associated with the whole process. I was on television very often, talking about what was happening in the vaccination world during, right through the pandemic. Mm. So um, that is where uh, you know I was associated and involved. Okay, and so as
0: a as a communicator, you know, Another, of, you know of, of the messages and and, and so on. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Also, I mean, that in itself is a hugely valuable um, mm. role. In your um, entrepreneurial life, were there things that you really weren't very good at? If you're, if you're honest, I mean, did you have sort of things where you, you, um, I, I do, work, you kind of delegated to people because you weren't very good, or, or just kind of learned? Uh, to I would
1: say, I would say that uh, I, the two things that I've always been very, I've not been good at, is number one, I'm not a person for too much detail. You know, I, I, can't, I hate going through. 300 page agreements, and, uh, you know, and then you're expected to read it if you're going to sign it. So I would, uh, you know, normally ask counsel to do it. And I have been let down several times, because the counsel uh, made me sign something which I shouldn't have signed. And the second thing is that uh, I've always been told from the time I was 22, 23, uh, in all my reviews and everything that was done, that uh, I tended to trust people too much. And I know, I mean, it's not something that I want to change, because I would like to keep trusting people. But I do know that many, many people have uh, let down my trust in them, uh, which has how harmed me and harmed uh, the organization. So I would say that these are two areas which I do believe have been uh, serious uh, weaknesses or challenges that I have worked with.
0: And do you, I mean, is there a way you can compensate that for that? I mean, do you sort of, or do you just have to become more aware? Of the fact that maybe you're a bit
1: too trusting, I I do have to be become a little more aware. I, I have to be a little more conscious about you know who to uh, place my trust in. But having said that, uh, I don't want the pendulum to swing to the other extreme, where I stop uh, trusting people or I start mistrusting everybody. So I think I have to get a little more aware and conscious of the people I uh, you know decide to work with.
0: Okay. And and, I mean, just to in in terms of uh, it's difficult to sum all of this up, because there's so much you've done and so many lessons to pass on here. But but we want to give our listeners the confidence they need to succeed. Mm -hmm. Is there a single message or a single learning that, you know, uh, that you would sort of pass on to them at all?
1: I would say that the single biggest learning that I have lived with, is that don't ever hesitate to take a risk, take risks as often as you want to, as often as you can. uh, But make sure that these risks are done after thought. You know, recklessly taking a risk is is not something that I would recommend. And yet, just sitting in my little uh, uh, cocoon and saying, I'm not going to stick my neck out, and i've often said this at conferences that that old phrase uh, you know that a tortoise only makes progress when it sticks its sticks its neck out so i would say take risks i think that's a very very important part of life
0: okay and uh, but you know maybe get the facts sort of and 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 to sort of analyze it and be analytical and right. then take and then take the risk so yeah. okay fantastic that's great that's great advice so what are you up to now? You've talked about, you know, um, a little bit about what you're up to now, but maybe let's expand on that. Is there anything that you're working on that you want to promote or you're particularly excited? You mentioned a book, you know, you're writing a ninth one. So, got so got one tell coming. me about that and anything else you want, really. So, uh,
1: Okay. So one thing that I certainly want to talk about is my podcast. Uh, I think it's become the world's largest platform. And uh, as I was mentioning to you before we started recording, uh, we get about 150,000 views and listens every day. And uh, on one of the TikTok competitors, uh, where we put one-minute videos, we are beginning to see almost two million views per day. Uh, so, therefore, you know, I think I do believe that this has probably become one of the largest podcast platforms for what I call leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom. So, that's something which I would uh, urge people to go and check check out. It's called the brand called You. Uh, my new book. Uh, I've not yet agreed on anything with the publisher, but it is a book, the book that I'm working on is the working title is Management Lessons from Hindu Scriptures. Uh, the Hindu scriptures go back to you know five, seven thousand years. And there is a lot, there is a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience, a lot of understanding in that. So I'm correlating a lot of that learning with the UN SDGs. What the 17 SDGs that we talk about today, many of them have been spoken about in great detail in our uh, scriptures 5000 years ago so you know that's that's the book that i'm working on right now and i think in all religions you know there is
0: so much knowledge Correct. and wisdom that in many ways when we think about the problems or challenges we're facing you're almost certain that somebody has at some point already faced you know a problem whether in a strict business sense or in a wider sort of spiritual Absolutely. sense Absolutely. so there is so much to to learn from those so Ash, finally, if people want to find out more about you or get in touch, what's the best mm-hmm. way for them to do that?
1: Well, I would say the best thing would be to, uh, you know, look for my LinkedIn profile. Uh, Ashutosh Garg is uh, my LinkedIn, is my name, there are maybe I think four or five uh, Ashutosh Gargs on LinkedIn, but I'm sure you can look at my face and uh, Ashutosh Garg Delhi uh, and just send me a message on LinkedIn. I, I generally respond to all messages.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you so much for being our guest on the, uh, on the Mericast this week, Ash.
1: Thank you, Trevor, for inviting me. It's been a pleasure
0: talking to you. Now, let's think about some of the outstanding points that Ash made in that interview. He explained why you should take risks, the importance of being a business goalkeeper, and why it is okay to fail. He also shared why you should have a personal board of advisors, and the importance of systems and procedures. Thank you, Ash, for your time, for making all those brilliant points. Thank you for tuning in, too. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate and review through your usual podcast provider. And if you want to find out more about the Mericast or our business Meribor Media, you can find us on LinkedIn or email me at trevor.meridan at meribormedia.co.uk. Don't forget to join us for our next episode, but until then, thanks for listening.